Off the glass. We done with that UEFA Nations League. Blow the whistle. Off the glass. We just out here talking about the English Premier League. Damn. What a long break. Those things began longer and longer, I feel. Ridiculous. I really feel like that song probably should have gotten a little more airtime. I mean, Kanye plus the King Juicy J, Memphis represent. Welcome to the Wollum Football Show. It's your host, Almond, a.k.a. The Soccer Stoon. New Twitter handle, you can find me at The Soccer Stoon. I hope I do that name proud. Or that somebody tries to buy that Twitter handle from me in like a few years. That'd be kind of dope. We are... Two weeks away from a very crucial election, midterm elections in this country. A lot of reform needed in this country. I'm taking the matter very seriously. I hope you guys do too. I'm heading down to South Florida where I'm registered to vote. Some may consider that voter fraud as I haven't lived in Florida in over two years. But I maintain my status as a Florida voter because of how crucial that state is to our nation as a whole. That that that, that state is a is a swing state, and there's a lot of of issues that matter deeply to me. And I'm just out here looking for revenge on November 18. Anyways, we started off the Premier League weekend after two weeks of. I, I mean, every every time this happens, we get into the same thing. How awful are international breaks? Well, they're pretty bad. Uh, well, at least we got a nice marquee matchup to resume our Premier League fandom. It was Chelsea versus Manchester United in a fiery match resulting in videos seen around the world of Jose Mourinho being egged into a touchline fracas as Chelsea made it 2-2 at the death. Maurizio Sorry about that. Jose Mourinho's job still on the brink? Mmm. The win before the international break against Newcastle definitely cooling off an incredibly hot seat for Jose and Manchester United. Both definitely still in damage control. And it was not a great ground for Jose to make his stand, losing all of his previous matchups at the bridge since becoming the United manager. That Stanford Bridge dugout. A much sadder place in red for Jose Mourinho. Surprisingly for me, Morata got the start in this game. Perhaps after finding the winner midweek in Europa. That was uh, that was like two weeks ago there, sorry. So, was kind of surprised to see Morata there. He also did have that goal against Southampton in the last game before that international break. But Giroud definitely the man for me in this game and I think some of the decision to start Murata might have gone down to the fact that I didn't want to mention it but of course I'll mention it that he found the winner for Chelsea against Manchester United last year he was on fire at the beginning of his Chelsea stint that stint has turned into an ice age Barkley also making way for Mateo Kovacic Barkley still resting on injury after playing for England midweek. But United lined up in a formation that we highlighted last week. Uh, my colleague Alex 
unfortunately could not make it this week, but him and I both were in accordance as far as the lineup that we felt that Manchester United should be running. That 4-2-3-1 was exactly how they lined up this week. Thanks for your listen, Jose. I know you're tuning into the Lone Football Podcast. And uh, we both said that apart from Martial, uh, we kind of had varying, differing opinions on who we thought was more important. I went with Mata, and Mata was the one that was included. He's a fringe attacker that I feel is most important to their team. Both Martial and Mata making those starts with Lindelof coming in, pairing with Smalling. Uh, Hazard started off this this match pretty lively, being freed in the box before squaring it in a dangerous area to no one because Morata wasn't around. Morata flat-footed, but Shaw put the ball out for a corner, and the ensuing corner earned Chelsea the breakthrough as Antonio Rudiger made it 1-0 to Chelsea. Pogba the culprit here in failure in man-marking 101. If you ever want to see what it looks like to mess up in a man-marking situation in the box with a corner flying in, just look at Pogba, who was distracted by David Luiz's long, curly locks. Pogba unlocked. Hazard suffered a foul via a late challenge from Ashley Young following the break. Halftime, it was 1-0. And we've seen this before, especially against Manchester United. As good as Hazard has been against that club, Manchester United has kind of made it a point to kick Hazard off the park and kind of uh, have his mark on the match waver following that. Ashley Young doing the kicking this time did not really see much of Hazard after that. And that could have been due to an, a United tactic, United sticking Juan Mata onto Jorginho, not allowing him to get the space and the freedom to collect passes out the defense. Uh, it was a weird second half for Chelsea. Man, United got themselves back into the game through a pinball situation in the Chelsea box in which Marcos Alonso was far from covered in glory. Marcos Alonso was stepped on by Lukaku as they both jumped up for a header. And uh, Marcos Alonso stayed down there, even though it was not a concussion, no head injury there. He stayed down as the ball pinballed around the mat, around the box. It seemed like Marcos Alonso was down for like five minutes there. Time stood still as the ball reached Martial, just feet away from the crumpled Marcos Alonso, who set himself perfectly to drill the ball past Kepa. After that, it was more of Manchester United, and the second goal came through a bit of more calamity on defense. David Luiz having what I think is truly his first David Luiz moment so far this season. Running to the byline where Juan Mata was running onto a ball from Young. Uh, Mata was able to, to kick that ball in front of him past David Luiz. And Mata played the ball to Rashford who played the ball to Martial. Martial's first touch so bad that it was good. Put him into a great opportunity to make a shot. Shooting right past Keppa. Oh, dear. But then... Manchester United did what Manchester United does. And they took off Juan Mata for Ander Herrera in the 75th minute. And I think that kind of stifled Manchester United in a way. They lost one of their best attacking players. While also losing the man who was doing an excellent job of marking Jorginho out of the box. Out of the game. Chelsea's equalizer in the 97th minute, six minutes into Fergie time for Charles. Ross Barkley getting on the end of a parried away shot from Rudiger. David De Gea doing a great job 
following David Luiz's header, hitting the post, winding up at Rudiger's head. Rudiger heading it. It's on to Gay. Nice save. And it's Barclay. Barclay scores. And it's the 97th minute. It's 2-2. And after that, everyone knows what happened. Jose Mourinho egged on by Chelsea sports scientists and part of the coaching uh, staff to Maurizio Sarri, running past Jose Mourinho twice. Maurizio uh, Mourinho was not having any of that. And I have to say, fair play to Mourinho. Uh, probably would have done the same thing. You never want to see that kind of reveling or goading after a, a goal that really took away a lot of momentum from Manchester United. It would have been a great result for Manchester United and a excellent result, one that Mourinho has been waiting for for four years now. But still, Mourinho draws at Stamford Bridge. Three fingers in the air to the Stanford Bridge crowd. Mourinho, to me, he's done a great job. He did a great job at Chelsea. He's our best ever manager, without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, why don't you focus on what's what's it what's what's in front of you right now? Uh, I know there was chance coming from the Chelsea squad, but it's been a two-way street. And fair play to Jose if that's what he thinks he needs to do is hand, hold those three fingers aloft. So be it. Chelsea's XG in this game was 1.8, leading me to believe that two goals for Chelsea was a fair result, while Manchester United's was just 0.7, although Manchester United did a great job to get themselves back into the game. Good game and fair result for both teams. Chelsea have now collected five points against the top six this season in three games. Do I think that's a good result? I actually do. Yeah, I would have taken that before. And had Chelsea found a winner against West Ham, Chelsea would be top of the league. But now, they're just level with Arsenal. Won't? Arsenal's back? Arsenal had a great game against Leicester here. That game 3-1 in favor of Arsenal. Ten victories in a row for Arsenal. Their performance on Monday was narrated by their number 10 and captain Mesut Ozil, who baffingly missed out on a player of the week card in FIFA, which really infuriates me as I have his gold card. And I was looking to get some value for a guy who I don't value in FIFA. Captain Mesut Ozil, nice to see that the weight of the captaincy did not cause more back spasms. He looked wonderful on the day. It was Leicester who started this game out on the front foot, though, after Chilwell, who caused all sorts of problems for Arsenal, drove a low cross in that deflected off Bellerin, sending me into a frenzy because of my fantasy matchup with Alice in Wonderland. Uh... Last day, Monday, uh, I'm only up by 10 points. I had a really bad week. few factors for that, but I think it was my worst performance as a fantasy manager since playing draft-style fantasy. 73-63, to 63, no players left. Alice in Wonderland with both Lacazette and Bellerin. So when Bellerin put that goal in, I was up by essentially 21, 22 points, and I thought that that was going to be the moment for me. But it was Bellerin who would get a hold of a nicely weighted ball from Ozil in the 43rd minute, sending it back to the captain who did an excellent job one-timing it into the far side of the goal. Excellent finish for Mesut Ozil. And that was just the beginning because that was right before halftime and everyone kind of knew that if Leicester didn't go into halftime with that 1-0 lead and try and weather the storm after the halftime break, it was not going to be great. 
Uh, the sides went into the game level, and apart from an NDD header that smashed against the ball in the bar in the second half, it was all Arsenal. Once Aubameyang came off the bench, it was all the catalyst needed as Ozil and Bellerin combined again. The German playing the ball through seemingly nine players to reach Bellerin, who squared the ball to Aubameyang. Aubameyang quickly becoming one of the fastest and most efficient goal scorers for Arsenal, surpassing Henri, I saw, in uh, games it took to get to 15 goals in the Premier League. Great job from Aubameyang. And he wasn't done for the day as there was another tap-in for that man, Aubameyang. Bellerin Ozil combining again. And Ozil making the difficult look incredibly easy. This was a game to remember for Ozil. Arsenal has navigated a very favorable run of results, run of games expertly to make up for a disappointing beginning to the season. I'm looking for a way to get into that Arsenal team right now in fantasy, and I'm open to trades not involving Xhaka. Although it should be said that Xhaka looks like he could be an interesting fantasy prospect as he's played a few games now as left back. I think he finished out the game against Leicester as left back and today in the Europa League against Sporting Lisbon. He was the left back. So it will be interesting to see if his prowess at making passes and crossing as well as hitting long balls will translate into him being a great fantasy defender or midfielder in a defender spot. Great game from Arsenal. Tied now on points with Chelsea and Tottenham. 18, I believe it is. This is a, this is a season to remember so far. It's looking like it's going to be one of those ones to... To really go to the final, to the end. Let's see if Man City can keep up what they're doing. Speaking of Man City, it was the highest scoring team in the league. Facing off against the team with the most shots faced. In a result that nobody can be surprised by. It's City 5, Burnley 0. Goals from Aguero, Bernardo Silva, Fernandinho, Mares, and Leroy Sané. Propelled City to the top of the league before Liverpool could make take on their opponents in the game against Huddersfield. No surprises that City found themselves with three players in the top 10 of the players last week. Vincent Company started off that game with a yellow card in the 35th minute, but Company did get a nice amount of points due to the clean sheets. Uh, let's go on to Huddersfield nil, Liverpool 1. Liverpool made changes to their starting 11 as Sturge, Shakiri, and Lalana made their way into the lineup, as well as a start for Dejan Lovren. A 1-0 result was all Liverpool could muster, however, as they joined City at the top of the table. Liverpool's next matchup is against Cardiff, um, expecting them to really start demolishing teams again. I think it's Cardiff and then Arsenal. Uh, that game against Arsenal is one that I'm just, I cannot wait for. But the next matchup against Cardiff is one where I'm going to expect them to really put some goals into the back of the net. Sané's back. Uh, I don't know. Excuse me, Mane's back. Salah's back on form following the game on Wednesday in the Champions League. And I'm just not really sure what's going on with Firmino, but he did score against Moscow. And he's got two goals this season, I believe two assists. It hasn't been a terrible, terrible run for Firmino. But he's sitting at nine points per game right now. And I am kind of regretting a certain trade move that I didn't make earlier in the season i will talk about that later let's talk about one game that was really really fun to watch 
the Battle of the Craps, the relegation six-pointer already in October. We're already talking about that. Cardiff versus Fulham. It was Cardiff 4, Fulham 2. Oof, goal fest in the Welsh capital. Shirley with the wonder strike before two Cardiff goals changed this game on its head. Uh, Ryan Sessegnon leveled with his first ever Premier League goal, making him the first goal scorer born in the year 2000 and above. Two of the worst defenses in the Premier League were doing their best to outdo themselves. A sloppy situation in the box leading to Patterson making a goal, making the game 3-2 before Cardiff scored a fourth in the 87th minute. No plan B for Fulham. They're trying to play way too offensively. And Fulham have been leaving themselves exposed in the back all season. They are the worst and leakiest defense in the Premier League. Not looking good for Fulham. A team, as we've mentioned so many times before, spent a lot of money on attacking options. Not leaving anything for defensive resources. Tim Ream having a pretty terrible game in my opinion. Callum Patterson though did the business as we predicted on the last show. 27 points from him. And we did have a sneak pickup during the during the recording of of the show. I think I think we already spoke about this, but Cameron made a big sneak pickup. He listened to us. He was in the room as we were recording. Uh, I think, and he picked him up, and he accounted for about one third of the total points that Cameron scored last week. Although Cameron did lose all about the money. Interesting tidbit about Callum Patterson. Is I don't think we really discussed about how versatile this man is. I don't know how many players in fan tracks can play as both a D, an M, and an F, DMF. Well, I'll tell you, there's only one other, and his name is Ryan Sessegnon, who also had a big day with 20.5 points. DMFs. We got to find a good acronym for that. Need, need, a, need a brainstorm with my co-conspirator. Let me see if I can think of one really quickly. Dirty Money Finders. That's what I think I'm going to go with. Dirty Money Finders. Around the rest of the league, there were a few surprising results. I would say the most surprising of all of them is Wolves 0, Watford 2. What's a 0? I meant to say no. Watford did the business at Wolves. Something that we have not seen. Wolves scoring two goals very quickly. Two goals in two minutes with Etienne Capu and Pereira putting the sword to Wolves and Rui Patricio, who gave me negative two points. Everton did the business against Crystal Palace late in that game. 87th and 89th minute goals from Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Senk Tosun, damning Crystal Palace to a loss before. Special shout-out. The worst run of games I think we'll see all season. I think Cardiff have had a, a similar run out, but Crystal Palace is going to do need to do a lot to get some points from these next games against Arsenal, Chelsea, Spurs, and Manchester United. Good luck to Crystal Palace, Roy Hodgson, and Wilfred Zaha owners. So I've had a few trade questions over the last few weeks i'm just going to try and answer some of those uh one of them that's been going around not only in my league but around draft leagues in general is whether firmino is good trade value for sane would you do a firmino for sane trade uh i wouldn't 
because I think that Firmino is going to be starting more games. Uh, looks like Daniel Sturridge is making his way into Klopp's plans. But I think so much of what makes Liverpool tick revolves around how Firmino plays in that side. One thing that I'm really regretting is not trading Lacazette for Firmino. Something that I would take right now. Lacazette is on fire. That Arsenal team is on fire. And like I said earlier, I'm looking for a way into that team. And I would have gladly have traded Firmino for Lacazette, knowing that Lacazette would start. But at that time, when I received the trade, it was still up in the air whether or not Lacazette was the starter. Now it looks like Firmino might be losing some starts here and there. Uh, hasn't been a great start to the to the campaign for Firmino. So looking to see if maybe I can make that trade happen now. Uh, is now the time to hop on Brighton? Absolutely it is. I already did. I'm eyeing up three players at the moment. I've already got Glenn Murray. He's coming back from concussion. And I just scooped up Baram KL, the Israeli midfielder, who did I mention how good Israel is doing in the League of Nations? No, I didn't. And that's because no one cares. And I actually kind of just did. So very very ironic, that last thing. I hope you guys like irony. Uh, Brighton's next fixtures look very favorable, and I'm trying to figure out who I'm going to move to bring in the special somebody who I have not mentioned yet. I'm sure once you guys listen to this pod, you're going to be clamoring, trying to find out who it is. But Brighton have games against Wolves, Everton, Cardiff, Leicester, Huddersfield, Crystal Palace, Burnley, then Chelsea. So a nice seemingly six games where they can pick up some points here. Uh, Barem Kyle is coming into into the fold right now. Uh, has a goal and assist in his last two games. I did mess up doing something like that last week. I picked up David Brooks, who had a very disappointing game for Bournemouth. He only gave me one point, and he couldn't even get me the clean sheet point because he came off in the 57th minute. Appreciate that, David. Uh, is now the time to try and get someone for Felipe Anderson? Well, after last game week, probably not. Uh, Felipe Anderson scored zero points. So if you are looking to trade Felipe Anderson, I would suggest you wait until he has another 10 key pass game with no goals and assists. And then we have one more question here. Spurs, where do we see them going? Are they exceeding results? And is now the time to try and get value for some of their players? I personally think that Spurs have exceeded their expectations. Uh, we've spoken so much and at great lengths about how Spurs did not pick up anybody in the summer. Zero signings. And I think that they might be running into some trouble here coming up in these next fixtures. Uh, they have... How they had a pretty tough result against PSV over the week. Lloris getting sent off in that game. That game ending 2-2 for them. But Spurs' next fixtures here are against Manchester City, Crystal Palace, and then Chelsea. Those That's that's a few London derbies there and, and a game against the champions. Pretty tough. I own Lucas Moura and I own Eric Lamella. Lucas Moura is probably the, somebody who would, I would try and get value for in my team Trippier for me is off limits uh but lucas mora is a great asset so it's a little bit difficult to to really know whether or not i would trade him it would have to be for another midfield forward as he is a flex i just think that he's incredibly value valuable and um spurs did the business against 
a lackluster West Ham side who saw Yarlamenko stretched off. Tough luck for that man who was just starting to get into the, the swing of things for West Ham. That's all I have for the state of the league, but I do want to talk a little bit about my fantasy league, which is starting to look like a shambles. So we have a 10-man league, the Wound Football Fantasy League, and we're in a little bit of a conundrum here. We have two teams that are really not active, and for me that creates a less competitive league. A league where it's easy to see people on the top of the the field run away with it. And that's exactly what's happening here in our league. Not trying to discredit Sexual Hazard and Harry Team for their performances. Both of them 8-1 and one with a winning percentage of .889. But these two teams are the lowest in fantasy points against. And I think that... When you go against teams like a Pogboom number 6 who's 1-8 and and a new team number 10 who's never made a change in his lineup, that creates this kind of situation that we're seeing now. Uh, Just hoping that everybody listening in my league, just come on, fix yourselves up. We got only nine games in, plenty more to do, plenty more action to come. Let's get some trades out there. I want to see the league more active. Or else there's going to be some severe consequences. That's it from me, though, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. I know this was a short one, but short and sweet. We will be back next week. We have a big game on Monday. It's Tottenham versus Manchester City. We will be highlighting that. Hopefully it is not a snooze fest like the last few games, including Manchester City. I'm recalling mostly that Manchester City-Liverpool game, which I try and really hard to forget about due to fantasy reasons. All right, you guys can follow us at Wound Football on Twitter and at Wound Football on Instagram. Don't forget to follow me at the Soccer Stoon. Wound. And I'm balling. And I'm balling. And I'm balling. Off the glass. And I'm balling. And one. And I'm balling. Blow the whistle. And I'm balling. And one. And I'm balling. Off the glass.